Unlike, unlike everybody else, uh, Bubba is happy for him to sit next. Again, I don't know why the, I don't know why these like recruits are doing this. Why don't they want him to sit next to them? I don't understand it at all. They've never met him. They have yeah, no experience. It does of not him make. Does not make yeah. He's just walked he's, on with a he's haircut. He's different. Uh, I mean, bullies look for difference, <laughs> and they look for the you know the lowest common denominator of difference, and they decide. Uh, I don't want to deal with yeah. that. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason. Right. Well, yeah. I won't even back up a few seconds because the fact that, that when he gets on the bus and then the bus driver starts yelling at him like he's a drill sergeant, you think that the person who's been given the role of the bus driver is not necessarily going to be someone who, who's <laughs> going to be as forceful as a drill sergeant. You would think you would want to lull them into a false sense of security and, and make them feel welcome so that they, they don't realize what's going to happen in basic training, but instead just yells straight at him. Um, and he sits next to... Um, I'm trying to remember his full name. Uh, Benjamin Buford Blue, uh, otherwise known as Bubba. Um, and of course, uh, I, his, na his name, his real name is Michael. His real name is Michael T. Williamson. But he, for, the, for a stage name, can combined it into Michael T. Um, which is just, uh, I do, I must say, I've seen Michael T. Williamson in a ton of stuff, um, including the very quickly cancelled TV show Boomtown. Uh, also, I love that show. Oh, I have the DVD of the first series. The second series was never put on DVD. It doesn't matter because it wasn't Ooh. that good. Um, but uh, yeah, which also has uh, uh, Neil McDonough and one of the one of the new kids on the block in there. Um, but yeah, yes, but Michael, one of the Wolverines. But Michael T. Williamson was great in that in that series, um, and all the other films I've seen him in. He's been, you know, he's been really good in in all the other films I've seen him in. Uh, but here he kind of, I, I mean, he really kind of makes this character completely like so different to anything else that he's ever played, um, uh, which he did by putting something in his mouth to make his his kind of thing stick out, which apparently is like a, a kind of like a, a thing. I can't remember what, what you would call it, some kind of like attachment that basically forced his lower lip out and kind of made him talk a, a specific way. Yes, Aaron. Oh. So here's where I talk about my connection with Bubba Gump is that I have a bigger lower lip and I've always had a little bit of an underbite. And in high school, oh, no. some of really? my quote-unquote friends would call me Bubba Gump. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I know. But you know, I, he's such a good character. Yeah. He's such a sweet, kind character. Um, this movie is so quotable, but like, I think one thing that like lasts forever is... Um, the amount of shrimp <laughs> recipes that he lists. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, all the time, just like shrimp sandwich, shrimp salad, shrimp stew. Like, he's he's a great character. So. Yeah. Well, I, I, if I was going to be bullied, like Forrest was bullied, <laughs> I'd proudly be called Bubba Gum. What, what I loved is the fact that when he first introduced himself, he tells me his full name and says, everyone calls me Bubba. And then he goes, can you imagine? They gave me a redneck name. So, like, who's actually calling him Bubba? I mean, I guess that means his, parent, his mother's not calling him Bubba. It's, uh, you know, mm. it it's, must have been something a little more derogatory by different people around him. Like classmates or something, yeah. I think, obviously, there is, 
I mean, I'm I'm not saying that Bubba is as slow as Forrest Gump, but obviously the way that the two interact for you know the period that Bubba is in the film, I think there is meant to be some kind of implication that he is similar to Forrest in the in the fact that he, um, you know. He's yeah, a simple he's, man. He's, he's simple, but also he's simple-minded. Yeah, but also that he's been bullied the same way that Forrest Gump has, and obviously, I think you know, Bubba is the name that like the bullies have given him. But at his grave, spoiler alert, he dies later on. It says "Our Bubba" like underneath his proper grave. There's like a little kind of like a you know rock or something, and someone's put "Our Bubba" on there. So I I guess they adopted it as a term of affection. Um, you know, through, yeah. throughout his life. Um, but yeah, I did just put the shrimp list. That is that is how I referred to this, where he is just listing all the different types of shrimp. But what I love about it is, like, the fact that it's intercut between them doing different things. Um, and also the fact that, like, Forrest, obviously, because he is so simple, when he's told to, like, take apart a gun and put it back together, that's all he concentrates on. Like, he's not thinking about anything else. So obviously he ends up doing it really fast. Um, and this kind of then, like... I don't, again, I don't know if there's meant to be a, a kind of a small bit of satire here, but the fact that he, his drill sergeant keeps calling him a genius because he just obeys everything that he's told to do and he does everything like super yeah. efficient. And because obviously he's he's not thinking about anything else because he is simple. Um, so I don't know if 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 Robert Zemeckis is meaning that to be uh, a kind of commentary on, you know, American soldiers. Um, but it's something something that, it is. That, it is. It's, oh, it's yes. yeah. follow your follow orders. Do what you're told. And you're you're considered the best. Yeah. Now I, I like yeah. all of the military and war scenes are very anti-military and anti-war. Yeah, no about that. Without but, yeah. well, one of the things I also wanted to mention, one of the first things that that Bubba says to him is, "Have you ever been on a real shrimp boat?" And because <laughs> the word shrimp could also mean small, as opposed to so. Yes. Uh, Farce's response was, "No, but I've been on a really big boat." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, as something something that I you know again I, I, is is clearly a commentary is obviously Forrest has willingly signed up after five years of college um, to be in the military, uh, but Bubba has been drafted, and you know he does say you know my draft number like because obviously Forrest is like why are you in the military and he's like my draft number came up so it's made clear that obviously if you are mm-hmm. even a simple white person you could probably get away with not going to war but if you are black then you know, there's more chance of you ending up being, and poor, there's more chance of you ending up being drafted. Mm. Um, and, you know, what? then of course, you know, I mean, uh, as they go through the shrimp list and they do various different uh, tasks together, it finishes with them cleaning the floor with toothbrushes and then he goes, and he just kind of ends the list and he's like, that's it, I think that's all. The... <laughs> and I just kind of like, how they both mm-hmm. just kind of look at each other and he's like, okay, like, you know, now he knows all the different <laughs> And obviously later on, you know, Forrest Gump being who he is, he will start repeating some of that list of, you know, the different ways that people have their shrimp. Hanks, um, during that you know. scene, and, um, uh, during the scene that you were talking yes. about earlier where he has the uh, putting the, the rifle together or the gun together, when they cut away from that and the drill sergeant's told him to, and they just they fixate the camera on him as they're all lining up, and Hanks just gives an absolutely unhinged yes drill sergeant. He just... His whole neck sort of snaps back and forth. <laughs> yes, yeah, true, it's, so, it's maniacal. I mean, even when he like plays ping pong later, and like someone delivers a message to him, yeah, that's how yeah. he like he just really puts his whole body into it. And then yeah. when they say no, as you were, he picks, he picks up his <laughs> ping pong paddle. Like literally, he's going to start playing again. Oh, that's so good, so brilliant. Yeah. 
Um, and whilst, you know, they are in basic training, uh, they find out um, through the medium of Playboy that Jenny uh, has left college. Um, <laughs> and Forrest phrases it as saying because of some, photo, some pictures she took um, in her, her college uh, uniform. Um, and he goes... Sweater. Yeah, college sweater. And he goes to find her uh, and uh, sees that she's playing in a club, which, I mean, I don't know if uh, he's ever existed, but has gigantic signs outside that says girls, girls, girls. Like, I mean, you know, I would think the first girls would make the emphasis clear on what's going on in there. But, you know, they always have three. Um, and she is well, how playing... How did he find her there? That's the question. How did he know uh, that that's where she was? Yeah, I, didn't think in the, I don't think in the Playboy uh, article it said that uh, he's no longer in this college, but you can now find her you know, every night at Girls, Girls, Girls. I'm going to assume she, he, that he kind of went home and somebody mentioned where she'd gone and, you know, maybe someone was in contact with her. You know, I'm not that concerned. I think he's like a Jenny homing pigeon. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. When he, when he yeah. thinks about her and he decides to find he's her. He's got a GPS on her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she is playing uh, topless guitar in what I'm assuming is a, this club is a burlesque club. Um, and, of Blowing course, some wind. people get fresh with her. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's playing a Joan Baez. Yeah, she's playing a protest so. song topless in a burlesque club. The, it's a lot of things all happening at once. Uh, people get fresh with her, and of course, Forrest immediately <laughs> just gets up from his seat and very kind of robotically walks down to the front to separate this person. I would have liked it if he'd have just started punching everybody and they'd just all be knocked out. Uh, but he only kind of just shoves them away. Uh, this obviously does not, you know, Jenny's not happy with this. Um, you know, apparently this happens all the time, so she's not that bothered about it. Um, and he kind of goes to carry her off stage and she kind of resists. Um, and then afterwards, um, you know, she's outside and she leaves with, I think at this point she's with Brad. Um, earlier she was with some other guy called uh, I don't know, Billy or something. Um, obviously the fact that each time she appears in each it's scene, she's with a different person, I think is the movie trying to tell us something. Um, and, you know, that is the last that Forrest will see of her for a while because he ships off to Vietnam. Fortunate son. Yeah. Vietnam. He has to, he has Vietnam. to, he, I mean, I, I mean, as much as people love this soundtrack, I feel like it set the, all the cliches for like war movies. Like, Listen, it's legally mandated <laughs> in America that if you have a scene from the Viet Vietnam War, you have to play that Buffalo Springfield song. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's like a, something every director <laughs> checks off. That Buffalo Springfield song has to play during the Vietnam War. I mean... You think it was before Forrest Gump or after Forrest Gump that that happened? <laughs> well, I, well, you have to you have to arrive to Fortunate no. Son because, it, you, you know, you just have to. Um, and yeah. we get some all along the watchtower later on and then some California dreaming straight into for what it's worth. I mean, it's it's wall to wall. Um, it's wall to wall everything except for the most popular musical act of the 60s because they are way too expensive. Um, so there uh, are no. Wait a yeah? second. Wait a second. Let me let me let me <laughs> chime in on this one in the documentary that I talked about on Netflix. So they, they talked about the fact with the music that the studio didn't want to pay for any music whatsoever so what they did was is they they secretly put all the music into the into the final cut and then showed it to the to the to to, to everyone in the studio and at that point they said okay it works really well we're gonna pay for all the music so this there was one person who awesome. was in charge of choosing what music to put on there and whoever it was I, I don't remember the person's name they did such an amazing job of putting together such an astounding soundtrack for this movie and even if you just get bits and pieces along the way, uh, every one of them is just perfect. So I was looking, correct me if I'm wrong, these are all American artists. 
I was looking to see if I there was any so. like Rolling Stones or, but yeah, I like they're all Americans. Uh, yeah, I'm like ninety percent sure. Yeah, Buffalo. I'm trying to remember who's who's in Buffalo Springfield. Oh. I mean, was Neil Young still with Buffalo? Well, he's kind of like an adopted American. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, it's like, because like when you're talking about this movie, like it is quintessentially American in like so many layers and that, you know, that soundtrack is one of them. It's hard to remember if, if like all those things, they're, they're not plucking, you know, they're not <laughs> album tracks out to represent anything, but it's hard to show ubiquitous that soundtrack, but it's hard to remember if they were that famous, like they were all put together in that way previously or whether that's sort of done that in reverse after after um forrest gump because it's just those four ones you were talking about darren back to back to back to back i think yep vietnam and for what it's worth being used in i think mm-hmm. tour of duty a lot on the ads for that tv show that was really big in the in the late 80s oh i remember yeah, that 87 um, came out but, but yeah it's, it's funny Paint, that was painted black as well. uh, they didn't have stones on it either the beatles in the stone must be really expensive <laughs> Plus, they're English, obviously. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. They're not Americans. Yeah. I un- well, I, un- I understand <laughs> the Rolling Stones are a little bit easier to purchase with stuff than, than the Beatles. But, yeah. Do- I mean, For I mean sure. that's just my observation is, obviously, uh, it is wall-to-wall, you know, music, but there's literally not a, s- a single Beatles song, which you know, I'm sure they would have been. But we get a Beatle in the movie, obviously. Maybe. We do. That's true. Yeah. We do. Yeah. yeah. But I do think that's purposeful. I do think that, I mean, yeah, I think that obviously, yeah, save some money for sure. But like, you know, looking at all of this, because I was like, wow, like what other ones would have stuck out? Um, and yeah, you would definitely have some Beatles, even some like Dusty Springfield, like, you know, like other key pop sensations like that. All American bands, though. Yeah, it did give me an idea when you were talking earlier and how finishes in 1982 that if this movie came out, <laughs> like a Duran Duran track as we get into 1982 that would be like tremendous <laughs> but obviously it yeah. wouldn't work it's our um, or just finish with like some culture club just you know do you really want to hurt me I think that would have been a good uh, a good point to finish it. but um, yeah so um, well they saved the money on the music because they have CGI'd in a ton of in the background there are a ton of CGI Hueys it is ridiculous the amount of helicopters in that background and it is I mean it is like there's like 20 or 30 of them it is just like a ton but this is where we get to meet Gary Sinise uh, in real life an extreme right wing person who is pro President Trump um, but I would still praise his performance in this film because he is you know I know Daniel's thrown his, his hands up in disbelief there but yeah Gary Sinise is a bit of an odd person these days yeah I did not realize that either that's so yeah it does um, but I mean you know, I, I think he's still really good in this. This is, uh, you know, much like much mm. like with Meg Ryan, this is the first of three collaborations with Tom Hanks. Um, uh, the next one will literally be the next film. Um, so, you know, he comes back quick. Mm. Um, but yeah, he is like he again, like he really makes this like this. This character isn't like anything else that Gary Sinise has played. Like, um, you know, it, it, like the character of Lieutenant Dan is like so very specific. Um, and, you know. Uh, out of everybody that Forrest Gump meets, he's one of the few people who doesn't die because, because pretty, pretty much every other character that Forrest Gump meets throughout this film ends up dead. Uh, apart from, I think, the Doctor um, and and Lieutenant Dan. Like, those are the only two people who managed... And the bus driver. Those are the only people who like, kind of managed to survive the whole film. Um, but yeah, and like he kind of... The, the, it's funny because, I mean... 
I'm sure Robert Zemeckis loves the dramatic irony of having Gary Sinise and Lieutenant Dan constantly telling people that the one thing you've got to do is take care of your feet <laughs> and always change your socks. And he'll keep telling you to change your socks whenever they stop and you should always take care of your feet. And like obviously seeing it for the first time, you don't kind of realize what's going on. But seeing it, you know, more than once, you're like, oh, I see what they're doing here. <laughs> having a character constantly talk about feet because pretty soon he won't have any. Um, but yeah, and throughout this, I, it's not really a montage because obviously there's a lot of voiceover, but we do get the kind of like, uh, you know, they go on patrol. Um, and I like the, the fact that the team are all named after places. <laughs> so we've got Dallas, who's from Phoenix, mm -hmm. and we've got Cleveland, who's from Detroit. And then we've got Tex, yep. but he doesn't know where he came from. But I'm guessing the joke is that he comes from Texas, but they just don't bother to finish that joke off. But, you know, rule. <laughs> Yeah, there's a great and there's a great joke as he talks to them and tells them that they just said they're from Alabama and then he wanders around and then he walks past and he goes, Arkansas, <laughs> yeah. Little Rock's yeah. a fine town or something. He said Little Rock's a fine town for no reason. Yeah. Well, talking. and they're both like, um, oh, we're Alabama. And then he's like, are you twins? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we are not of relation. <laughs> yeah. That's it's a really good use of the sweet. accent, that one. We are not yeah, I, th I think both the, the, the pair of them play that moment when they look at each other just perfectly because they they look for just the right amount of time to be confused and then kind of look back and they're like, oh, you know, like... Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I do like the fact that he just instantly forgets where they're from, like, just straight away. He just, like, he just completely goes for a completely different state. Um, yeah, and obviously throughout this time, Forrest is writing a lot of letters to Jenny. Um, you know, we'll find out later what's been happening with those. Uh, and then we get the ambush uh, where, like, everyone gets shot and blown up and forest uh, due to the fact that Jenny said before, you know, he went to Vietnam, if you ever get into trouble, don't be heroic, just run. And so he does. He just runs. Um, and then he turns back and goes to find Bubba, um, who we find out he is basically going to die. Um, and then he finds Lieutenant Dan, who then gets his legs blown off, and then he runs away with Lieutenant Dan. And as he's running away with, with Lieutenant Dan, he gets shot in his rear end. Um, you know, uh, which is funny because yeah, bit. Yeah, this is it. He says something. Something jumped up and bit him. Um, and when we come back to the pr like kind of the present, um, we've got a new person on the bench, and they say, uh, like you were shot in like that was a bullet, wasn't it? I mean, and of course he says, yes, I was shot in the buttocks. Um, something which he will then repeat uh, very because soon. It was a million. It was a million dollar. They said it was a million dollar wound, but the <laughs> government kept on that money. Yeah, because he never <laughs> saw a nickel. Although, considering that we know later on that he's like literally, I mean, I'm pro probably close to being a billionaire. Why does he care what the government paid for an injury from like thirty years at this years point ago? now? Right. Yeah, exactly. it doesn't really matter. This is another running gag, though, of the voiceover saying a line and then the, oh, the yeah, character the in the scene saying yeah. a line, too. Yeah, I love really that. Great. I love the way they do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they did it first with his mom where, like, she said something and he, like, literally, like, she repeated it straight away after he'd already said it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful joke. Um, this, of course, then gets us to the his recovery where he gets to lie down and eat ice cream. Uh, with his buttocks being, um, you know, covered in bandages. And he's in the bed next to Lieutenant Dan, who is a lot less unhappy with the situation. Uh, when we met Lieutenant Dan, we found out that he came from a long line of Lieutenant Dans who basically all get killed in combat. <laughs> and we see Gary Sinise over and over just dying in different uniforms. 
Um, and obviously he felt that it was his, you know, he basically lost his entire platoon and he felt it was his, you know, part of his mission to basically die on the battlefield with the rest of his men. And he's angry that he's alive and no longer has legs. Um, Pain iron, yeah. And yeah. So, which I think what's funny is, you know, uh, you know, born on the 4th of July came out, what, in 1988? 89. 89. 89. Yeah, 89. So, like, the idea of, like, an embittered veteran from Vietnam was kind of like a very kind of common trope. Um, and I think they, they obviously Lieutenant Dan will lean into that a little bit. But I, I think it's nice that rather than just having him show up later on, you know, with long hair and a beard and being angry and all that kind of stuff, they do kind of set the foundations of why he, you know, like what his life was, you know, which was to die in combat. Um, you know, Bubba has died in combat. The rest of the platoon died in combat. That is what Lieutenant Dan saw as his duty. So he's angry that Forrest rescued him from what he saw as his fate. Um, and I think that kind of lends a bit of depth to the kind of the portrayal, which later on might have been seen as a bit of a cliche, um, you know, were it not for the fact that we, we kind of know, you know, where Lieutenant Dan right. came I mean, from. Based on the, syn the um, synopsis that I read about the book that this is based on, Lieutenant Dan didn't fight with him in Vietnam. He met him in the hospital, which, again, I didn't read the book, so I don't really know how mm. that plays out. But I like the fact that they did it this way in the movie. There's much more of a connection between the characters than yeah. them just being, you know, both uh, in a hospital mm -hmm. together. We should say as well that apparently Joe Pesci was considered for this role. Now, that would have been a completely yeah. different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I have, like <laughs> uh, imagine John Goodman and Joe Pesci oh playing God. these two roles. Would have just been such a complete... Not to say that John, Joe Pesci is not a great actor, because he is a great actor. Um, but it just would have been such an insane thing to happen. Um, but yeah, and you know, this is where we find out that uh, none of his letters have been delivered to Jenny. He gets like a pile of letters, and we, you think to yourself, I was thinking, why is he getting this pile of letters? Like, has he got like a fan club? What's going on? Uh, but obviously, we find out it's more tragic than that. And basically, every single letter has got returned to sender. Uh, so Jenny has not read any of his letters, even though obviously he'd promised before he went to Vietnam that he would write to her like every week and you know make sure that you know she knew he was okay. Um, and while in recovery. Um, he suddenly uh, enters uh, Oliver Stone's The Doors as we keep getting back-to-back -back door songs here. I don't know why, but mm. just out of nowhere, all of a sudden, there's like, I don't know, six Doors films, like uh, six Doors songs, like one after the other. It's it's insane. Uh, but we start with When You're Strange and Break On Through, like while he's starting to play ping pong. Um, and of course, you know, there is... Uh, there is a thing that one of the guys says, which is when you're playing ping pong, the thing you have to do, by the way, over here, we call it table tennis, which is much more dignified. Um, you have to keep your eye on the ball. And so ping pong is the Chinese word for well, it. Yes. And obviously they are very good at it. Um, having won many mm. Olympic medals. Um, <laughs> technically speaking, the original English name for it was whiff waff, which is insane. Really? Yeah, I know. That was, <laughs> it was played at Victorian like dinner tables. They would set up a whiff waff table. Um, which I, I don't know. It's, it's it just it seems a bit insane that that's what they called it. Um, but yeah, so someone says to him, "When you're playing ping pong, keep your eye on the ball." And for the rest of these ping pong scenes, Tom Hanks will not blink whilst playing ping pong. <laughs> uh, and also, <laughs> none of the ping pong balls are real. They're all CGI ping pong balls because obviously all they had the actors do was just move a bat. And they do the same with Tom Hanks because obviously some of the ping pong that he plays in the upcoming scenes is almost impossible for a human person to do. So, you know, they CGI'd it all in, which yeah, I, I would say is, a nice, is like it's a good subtle use of CGI because oh, great you don't think to yourself you know, oh, these are all ping pong balls that are CGI, but uh, yeah. 
Um, so obviously, you know, Gump meets another president. He meets LBJ. Um, and he, I, I, it's funny because like, obviously, you know, they, they say, they say to him, you know, um, uh, like when, when he met JFK, he said he needed a pee because he'd drunk 15 Dr. Peppers. I've got um, a pee. And, I must have drunk me 15 Dr. Peppers. <laughs> and then when he meets, when, when he meets L, LBJ, LBJ says to him, where were you shot? And he says, in the buttocks. And then he obviously then goes, oh, I'd like to see that. And he just pulls his trousers down in front of LBJ. Um, which then leads to LBJ like kind of remarking on on the shot, but I I I just find it funny that obviously you know as the story goes on he gets tired of meeting these presidents um, again. You know LBJ I think is the... went to the White House again and met the president again. L, L, but obviously LBJ <laughs> and Nixon and Ford are all the ones who die of natural causes. Fortunately, um, LBJ before the end of this decade, before the end of this film, you know LBJ is dead. Um, well, LBJ has, like, a history of being, like, kind of a body, like, blue president. Like, he used to, like, cuss a lot, and he was, like, like a womanizer, and just, like, whatever. So, yeah, I, like, if if Forrest Gump was going to show his ass to a president, <laughs> it was going to be LBJ, I would say. Yeah. Who would appreciate it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whilst in uh, our nation's capital, as he keeps referring to it, which I thought was quite funny, mm. um, he ends up at the reflecting pool and there is a protest going on, uh, a very CGI protest as, you know, a uh, number of people were kind of copied and pasted around the pool. Although you can't spot it, really. Um, but obviously, if you know what if you know what it is, then it's kind of easy to see. Uh, and he ends up going on stage and just kind of making a speech <laughs> while, this, while the protest is going on. Um, you know, uh, with Abby Hoffman, who is, uh, you know, kind mm. of leading this protest. And he, he just kind of walks on stage, goes to make a speech. And at that time, a general unplugs the, um, the microphone. <laughs> so he, he does this whole speech. And then at the end, he just says, and that's all I've got to say about that. But nobody heard the rest <laughs> of the speech. So, uh, but, you know, he gets embraced by Abby Hoffman and the crowd cheer, you know, uh, because they think that they've got this kind of this straight laced soldier on their side. Um, but I do like how he kind of unintentionally ends up as part of a protest, despite the fact that he's like a decorated soldier who, you know, was fine with going to Vietnam and is fine with being in the military and isn't really, you know, that bothered about the kind of counterculture. Um, but it feels like this is just a way for him to meet up with Jenny yet again, because, um, you know, he says his name's Forrest Gump and then out in the crowds, Jenny yells and uh you know he unintentionally kind of just meets up with the black panthers <laughs> and um one of the black panthers played by michael jace who went on to appear in the shield and later kill his wife i think and he's now in prison for 40 years um oh, yeah so thanks. that took a turn um that there's a great line in that one too of i'm sorry i got into a fight in the middle of your black panther party like it, it's this movie is so quotable and like i was re-watching it last night and i probably haven't seen it in years but like the amount of times i could immediately finish the sentence of whatever was being said i was like man this is deep in my brain somewhere and it does it does <laughs> and speak of that point though that tom hanks can't bad not knowing that it's supposed to be funny now i know that tom because and he says it as a complete no. joke it's hilarious um, yeah, and we get, as Jenny departs once more with an abusive boyfriend, um, we get turn, turn... Wesley! Yes, we... <laughs> which is, uh, I love that they call him Wesley, you know, Princess Bride, uh... Ah, yeah, here. that's right. 
Yes, played by Jeffrey Blake, who I think has been in a few films for Robert Zemeckis as well. He's like a, he's in Apollo thirteen, uh, and I think he's also in something else. I'm trying to remember another film that he's worked with, but he he's basically worked with uh, Robert Zemeckis a few times. Uh, well, Apollo thirteen wasn't Robert Zemeckis, but yeah. Tom well, Hanks. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, he's worked with Tom Hanks again, yeah, um, and then also wrote with Robert Zemeckis later on as well. So. And it seems like Wesley's um, walking around in a Nazi uniform. The uniform that he wears is very, very yeah. strange. Yeah, he's kind of like an armband of something. And yeah, he's not a great guy. No. <laughs> Clearly. Um, yeah. I think he's meant to be a member of the SDS. So maybe that's what his armband is. Is the Although the SDS are left wing. So I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's obviously not a nice guy. Uh, he says to Jenny, you know, obviously he didn't mean whatever, I don't know, whatever's gone on. So, um, you know, she gets on the bus and turn, 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 plays. Um and this is when we then enter into, um, I mean, I, I think from this point on, it's kind of like Forrest Gump's career because after he, you know, like he, first of all, he, he becomes famous for playing ping pong um, and he ends up being so good at ping pong that the military send him to China uh, where the song Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog plays, uh, otherwise known as Jury to the World. And the funniest thing is um, for the role of uh, Bubba, uh, apparently uh, Ice Cube was auditioned but turned it down because he didn't want to play someone who was a simpleton uh, Dave Chappelle turned it down and apparently regretted it because he thought the film was going to be a flop and so, so late, years later he was like he should have took the role and he shouldn't have turned it down but also in, everyone thought this was going to be a flop well <laughs> you know in consideration as well was David Alan Greer now I only know David Alan Greer from one thing and that is Amazon Women on the Moon where he plays Don Nosel Simmons, and in that he sings Jeremiah was a bullfrog, but he sings it in like the least soulful way possible. Um, and that whenever I hear Jeremiah was a bullfrog, I immediately think of David Allen Greer. So it would have been very weird if David Allen Greer played Bubba in this film. I would have been like, "What is Don Nosel Simmons doing in Vietnam?" Good actors, but had different things. And Chappelle obviously ended up working with Tom Hanks in uh, You've Got Mail, but. Having Michael mm-hmm. T. Williams and his kind of a much more powerhouse actual like actor and and that sort of presence playing mm-hmm. that that sort of sweet it, it's yeah I think that would have taken people out of the movie some of some of that casting uh, very much yeah I think if Ice Cube had suddenly turned up as as yeah. Bubba you would have been yeah. like what is happening here what's going on like you know as it says in the song and in 1994 like, well yeah he, he, he's at his full Ice yeah. Cube at that stage yeah. Um, yeah, so of course, uh, due to his uh, proficiency at ping pong, um, he ends up on the Dick Cavett show, or Dick Cavett, Dick Cavett show. Dick Cavett. Dick Cavett. Yeah, Dick who Cavett. is playing himself um, in a very weird turn of events. Uh, Dick Cavett is the only famous person to actually appear as himself in this in this show. Um, so he, you know, he he basically plays like a younger version of himself using some uh, makeup, not CGI. Uh, they just kind of put a wig on him and try to make him look a little bit younger. Um, and he's there with John Lennon. And, of course, this is where Forrest Gump unwittingly uh, inspires Imagine. Um, and, <laughs> I, I mean, I, it, it, I, out of all of the kind of... And Dick Cavett, yeah, too. Because well, yeah. Dick Cavett's the one who's like, hmm, Imagine. Yeah, he, he, he just kind of... Le- <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, I guess that's maybe why they got Dick Cavett. Because they were like, by the way, Dick, you'll get to inspire you know uh imagine um while john lennon's on your show um and after doing the dick cavett show he's now in new york 
And of course, this is where Lieutenant Dan finds him. Angry that he was given a medal, <laughs> effectively, for saving Lieutenant Dan. Um, and he is now the archetypal, you know, uh, Vietnam vet. He He's in his wheelchair. He's got long hair. He's got a beard. He's not happy. Somehow in a movie or in a movie that then, does not trade in subtlety, this might be the least subtle thing I've ever seen in my life. When Lieutenant Dan turns up outside that door <laughs> and his look and his acting like it's effective because it's Gary Sinise but good it's, it's it's so it's so out of central casting and look it's it's amazing <laughs> and they also like they also do like a um they do like a gag because he like he, he's he's going down like the the like I don't know why but like you would think that somebody who has basically had no legs for at this point four or five years um would like know how to control their wheelchair but apparently he decides to go sideways down this ramp and then he kind of ends up careening backwards and Forrest Gump notable fast runner does not try and save him he just lets him <laughs> well it's icy the ramp's well, icy yeah. so like even if he can control it it's you know but yeah that gag is so is very out of place yeah like it didn't. It didn't move the plot forward in any way. It, I don't know. It wasn't that funny. It was quite sad. Like you know, kick a man when he's down, basically. Uh, uh, of course, then we do get a chance for the the kind of ultimate in joke, which is as they are going through the streets of New York, they play everybody's talking, um, as <laughs> obviously because Lieutenant Dan is definitely not walking here. Um, yeah, which leads to like the whole New Year's Eve thing. No, but then he also uh, screams at the taxi driver. He does, yes. But not that he's walking. Same way that, uh, you know, Dustin Hoffman does. Yeah, which has got to disappoint Tom Hanks, because Tom Hanks loves nothing more than just yelling at stuff on film. And he doesn't really get to do that in this in this film. I, like, mm-hmm. you know, he's really... I, I mean, I guess that's what it takes to win an Oscar, is not yelling, but... No, I think I think he prefers to be able to pee on, on screen. I think you've probably noticed already how many of his movies oh, yeah. have... Yeah. That's, have I a mean, pee scene. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that when he was running, there was no stopping for him to like pee. Um, they, you know, I mean, it would have felt like the natural thing for him to just stop at the side of the road. Um, but yeah, or do as long distance runners do and just pee yourself while you're running. You know, for for three um, years, four months. What was it? <laughs> three years, two, fourteen days, and sixteen hours. <laughs> yeah, there's got to have been an opportunity to throw some peeing in there, but nope, doesn't happen. Um, we have a extremely sad New Year's Eve party, and we have these girls who go back to, um, you know, uh, Lieutenant Dan's apartment, and, you know, they end up leaving, mostly because, you know, one of them calls Forrest stupid, and obviously Lieutenant Dan is not having that. Um, and there is some wonderful CGI work as Lieutenant Dan is on the floor and he moves his legs around past a, a desk. A desk, which, by the way, was not there at all. That is completely CGI, that little table. Um, so it's quite impressive. Um, yeah, and at this point, you know, he gets to meet Nixon. <laughs> like, he kind of leaves Lieutenant Dan behind. Um, he meets Nixon. He he uh, unwittingly sets off Watergate. Uh, Nixon resigns. <laughs> and then Gump is discharged from the military, having done his full term. Um, and at this point, of course, he, uh, you know, because he's so famous for the whole ping pong thing, uh, there is an endorsement deal waiting for him uh, where he if he endorses a, a certain ping pong band, then they're going to get, you know, there's going to be some payment. He's convinced to do this by his mama, despite the fact he only likes one ping pong bat, which is his ping pong bat. <laughs> Obviously, he doesn't understand the concept of endorsements. Uh, but using that money, he goes to visit uh, Bubba's family 
and this is where he buys a shrimp boat and you know obviously i feel like bubba had made it seem like shrimping was easy uh, but it turns out shrimping is not easy and, and so uh, as he, as he buys the boat he goes out to do shrimping and he just keeps coming back with um cans of yeah cans of pop and various other things toilet seats um a, a helmet at one point a helmet a helmet that's that's yeah. like perfect the shadow wings heavy private rain yeah and <laughs> and so yeah you should never take your helmet off uh, and so you know they they kind of they reach a point where you know someone says to him obviously you know it's unlucky to have a boat without a name so he names it jenny of course um we get to see where jenny is at this moment in a time and the answer is coked out of her gourd and about to jump off a building um but of course which of course there is again the dramatic irony of him saying wherever she is i hope she's happy and obviously she is definitely not happy in the slightest. I do remember seeing that scene in the theater when I was a kid and like her getting up on that balcony with those huge platform shoes and it being windy. Like that gave me such anxiety. <laughs> and even now, like I, you know, this is the first time I've fully watched the movie all the way through in a long time. I was like, oh gosh, it's just, that's a terrifying scene. It says a lot without, you know, without a lot of show. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when he comes back from not shrimping one day, uh, Forrest Gump runs into Lieutenant Dan and he's sitting on the dock with a terrible wig. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I, they couldn't have CGI'd some better hair or something. I don't know. Um, Sinishi <laughs> looks through the second half of this movie once they leave Vietnam. Uh, no, I want to hear your thoughts on Lieutenant uh, Dan on the dock. He's, he's, mm-hmm. As soon as Sinishi gets, well, two, two big look things here. Tom Hanks's first look on the boat, where he's wearing the check and the hat, it's a really strong look. I thought, mm, could I? I mean, I can pull it off, but I'd love to try one day. And um, <laughs> every every Gary's every look Lieutenant Dan has after Vietnam is incredible. Like that, the wig. The, he, he looks like he's playing every character that Bruce Springsteen's ever written a song about, like one after another after another. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's quite a procession. Yeah, and we get the the wave you were talking about earlier, Daniel. Like the, uh, the huge, like yeah, that's. I feel like that's in every um, you know Academy Award montage. Like it's always it's like that shot. Of well, I love the fact that the the, yeah. the, the boat is going in one direction, then he jumps off it, and later on, it's coming back in another direction. Like, how did that boat turn around? <laughs> the spirit of Bubba. Yeah. I do, I do, I do, I do like that. Like, like he, as he jumps off, like he obviously he's not thinking about what's going on with his boat. He kind of, you know, he arrives on the dock. He's talking to Linton, and then, and then the the boat crashes, and he goes, "That's my boat." And it's just like we know. <laughs> it takes out a whole. We dock. saw you. Well, later on, he doesn't know his, the difference between his left and his right. So you know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if they'd have given important starboard as directions, he would have picked that up pretty quickly. But um... this episode concludes tomorrow with part three.